as I was saying, if, uh, if you were here with us last, last week, um, Pastor Richie started a series on the power of words. And uh, like Paulette said, we all know how powerful words are, huh? Um, it was a great reminder for us about how powerful our words can be. And uh, I'm really blessed to be able to come up here and visit with y'all uh, each time I get to do it. This one in particular is difficult for me um, because usually when I get to talk to, oh, this is something that God has worked on me on, and I feel like I'm over the hump, so to speak, on it. I'm not so sure I'm over the hump on this one, <laughs> to be honest. Um, God's been working on me, um, and he has really done a great work in me regarding my words, but I still struggle with it. I still struggle with them. Um, and especially when I get angry. Ooh. Oh, nobody can relate to that, huh? I'm like, oh my goodness, the things that I have said out of anger. Horrible. Horrible. Speaking life, no. Speaking destruction and death. And we all need God to work us, work on, or many of us, I don't want to say all of us, many of us need God to work us, work on us in that. And um, I mean, just in preparing this, I was thinking that, okay, let me use an example. There were so many examples, I couldn't even get one. And some of them were so foul, I couldn't <laughs> talk about them in church and, and wouldn't. And I was like, oh my goodness. You know, and so for the next few minutes, let's just kind of visit about that. And just, I know, like I said, I can tell. I mean, y'all struggle with this? I mean, is this, you know, I mean, is this something, you know, and, and yes, yeah, some of it's, you know, just foul language. Some of it's just things in anger. I mean, has anybody ever said, you know, I didn't mean that? How far did that get you? Yeah, not very far, you know, and it's like, we know we can't take those words back, right? We can't suck them right back into our mouth and pretend that they never happened. And we create these scars. I talked to a woman once in counseling who was in a, in a physically abusive relationship. And, excuse me, in a, in a, a verbally abusive relationship, excuse me, a verbally abusive relationship where her, her husband was being very ugly to her verbally, and she said to me, I wish you would just hit me to get it over with. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? The, the scars from, from uh, the verbal abuse, the, the, the words that people have used have just been so hurtful. That's, I mean, I guess, you know, if, if somebody hits you, at least that wound heals, you know, in a few days or something like that, but this, the, the wounds that are inflicted, that we have inflicted on others with our words last for years, sometimes our whole lives. I mean, how many of y'all remember something that maybe one of your parents or your, uh, your siblings or one of your friends has said when you were a little kid and you still remember that, how hurtful that was? Yeah, it's like, wow, how powerful our words can be. And how many of y'all has said something and really, really felt foolish after that, after saying it? <laughs> you know, 
uh, okay, the last 24 hours, you know, in the last 10 minutes, you know, um, right? I mean, we've all said things that are just, we're like, oh my goodness, what a fool I was. How dumb it was that I said that. And uh, so, but thankfully, like Pastor Richie talked about last week, like, it's no coincidence, it's, it's a mystery, but it's no coincidence that Jesus is called the word. He is the word of life. He is life. And words have life, or can have life, right? And so I want to just, we want to talk about that a little bit today. And um, the first thing is, you know, um, I love uh, the book of Proverbs. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible there, and uh, King Solomon wrote a lot of it, and um, it's, or, or all of it, and um, it's kind of a, an interesting book because he contrasts wise people and fools in there through a lot of it. And as I was looking at this, I'm like, which side of that equation am I on? Um, uh, the first one, oh, if I could pull it up, Proverbs 10:19 says, "Sin is unavoid- unavoidable when there is much talk." But he who, oh, excuse me, but whoever seals his lips is wise. Oh, yeah. How about some, yeah, some nervous laughter about that. (laughs) Sin is unavoidable when there is much talk. But whoever seals his lips is wise. See how he's contrasting a fool and a wise person? A fool is somebody who just talks, always talking, always got something to say. But the wise person is someone who thinks before they speak. What side of that equation have you been on? Maybe both, hopefully, you know. Um, my, the next one, oh, sorry, I'm not up, um, is actually even more to the point. Um, it's Proverbs 14, 29. It says, he who's slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Now, that's in the, uh, in the New American Standard. I actually like it even better in, in the God's Word translation. Listen to this one. It's the same. It's, again, 1429. Uh, a person with, of great understanding is patient, but a short temper is the height of stupidity. Okay, now, I didn't call anybody stupid. That's the Bible. You know? <laughs> right? I mean, it's one of the reasons I love uh, that particular translation, because it gets right to the point. <laughs> it doesn't mince words, Right? A person of great understanding is patient, but a short temper is the height of stupidity. Have you all felt stupid when you were quick-tempered? I know I sure have. Well, King Solomon doesn't let it, let it go there. He keeps going. Uh, Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs up, stirs up strife or conflict and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression or commits many sins. Wow. So a hot-tempered man ab- commits many sins, right? Have you all ever done lots of good things when you had a hot temper when you were going on? Yeah. How about <laughs> Proverbs 19:19? 19, 19, a man of great anger will bear the penalty. For if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again and again, 
and again. Angry man, uh, a man of great anger bears the penalty. So there will be a consequence, right? There will be a consequence for our angry words. And yet King Solomon says, but if you rescue him, you'll only have to do it again and again and again. Okay, those last two agains were mine, but you know, you get the point, <laughs> right? Um, okay, and one more, one more. Um, uh, Proverbs 16, 1. Um, this is actually the, uh, the kind of antithesis, the other side of that coin. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. Wow, so when we are in our own self, we're making our own plans, we know what we need to say, we know what we need to do. That's from us. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. And so... So, Lord, what is that proper answer? How are we to deal with our anger and our angry words? I mean, I guess I could make this really, really short, especially for you Seahawk fans. Um, you know, okay, just stop it. Just stop. Just stop. Okay. But how many of y'all have tried? I, I mean, you know, try to, you know, oh, gosh, what did I do? You know, let me learn my lesson, Lord. You know, let me do it again. And then a week later, a month later, do it again. Because when we try from our own, through our own power, we don't get very far, do we? We, we strive and we strive to do better. And we need to, you know, put our effort in. I mean, it is a, you know, kind of a partnership with God. I mean, we can't just sit on our hands and watch it happen. Um, but it's only through God's strength that we can really overcome this, right? It's through, from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue, the proper way to deal with these situations. So, so how? How do we deal with our anger well? How do we not let our words be words of destruction and death, and rather than be words of life. You know, um, the Apostle Paul, well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul answers that in Ephesians 4. This, and there's lots of places in Scripture, as many of you know, that talks about anger and our words and the tongue. And I mean, if we just went through every single one, we'd be here till way past the Seahawks. We'd be past the Bronco game, and so we're not doing that. Trust me on that. <laughs> um, but in Ephesians 4, uh, starting at verse 27, uh, 25 to 27, and then 29 to 32. Let me just read that to you. Oh, there we go. Um, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. To verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others, or others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Now, now is Paul just saying, just stop it? Not really. Let's take a let's dig a little deeper into what Paul is saying here. Um, the first, the first thing that kind of sticks out to me um, is verse 26, actually, which is, "In your anger, do not sin." Did you notice that Paul did not say, "Don't get angry"? So there may be times when we should get angry, right? Um, and we know God gets angry. I mean, the Old Testament is full of examples of God's anger. The difference is that first nine times in the Old Testament, when it describes God, it says that he is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm kind of a word guy. Um, and the word and is what really struck me in that sentence. It wasn't the word but. It wasn't God is slow to anger, but he's, you know, abounds in loving kindness. It was, and he abounds in loving kindness. He is both at the same time. His anger is an expression of his love. How many of us can say that about us? How do we react to anger? I mean, usually kind of two sides of that coin. Usually we have the folks who don't get angry. I don't get angry. Christians don't get angry, right? Christians don't get angry. Oh, we get frustrated. We get upset. We get annoyed. We get depressed. We don't get angry, right? No, no, don't get angry, right? But there are those folks who, you know, really can just stuff it, right? They, no anger, you know. Uh, I don't get angry, I just stuff it. You ever live with somebody who stuffs their anger for just a little bit too long? <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Yeah, right. Volcanoes erupting. On the other side of that coin, we have the people who blow up immediately, right? That I'm going to express my feelings and I'm going to let everybody know exactly how I'm feeling about this particular situation. And they just blow up, you know, right away. Right? But Paul, and Scripture says, God is neither of those. He isn't no anger, and he isn't blow anger. He is slow. course, his anger is always righteous anger. I mean, there's ample, many examples in scripture where God, in his anger, is healing. How often is our anger healing? 
our anger. My anger tends to be anything but healing. And that's what Paul's referring to. In your anger, again, it's okay to get angry, but don't sin in your anger, right? What's righteous anger? I, one of the examples I use a lot is, why is it that we tend to get more upset about getting cut off in traffic than we do about child molestation and child Usually the answer is, well, that doesn't affect us. It doesn't? Doesn't affect us? Children being sold into slavery doesn't affect us? Um, Therein is the key to why we tend to blow up at things that, in the big picture, probably don't matter that much. And we don't get annoyed, or don't get angry, annoyed to Christian, right? That's so much more <laughs> at the things that we probably should get angry at. Our own activity, it's our own pride, it's our own. We're in it, and what's? How does it affect me? What What is going on with me? You cut me off in traffic. You didn't sell me in the traffic. does say that there are things that we, we do need to do, we can do to help with that anger to get it back in alignment. Our anger is misaligned according to St. Augustine. Uh, he's framing these concepts into from the first century um, that our, all of our, in fact he said our loves are misaligned. And, so are, and as a result so are all of our emotions. And so we get angry we um, express our emotions out of alignment with God. And so how do we get those emotions, how do we get our anger back in proper alignment? And Paul talks about that here, um, or I've gleaned some things out of that. Let's just stick it with you on. First thing is, we need to repent of our anger. Right? Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Do not let it be part of your life. We have to repent of it. We have to um, say we, we can't let it be part of our life. Look, bitterness, bitterness is like that internal, I just want you to pay kind of feeling. Rage, you know, blowing up, right? Um, brawling, right? Fighting, really wanting somebody to hurt physically. Um, slander. every form of malice. Malice being just wanting somebody to really be in pain, to, to hurt someone. And, and Paul says, get rid of that. That has no place in your life. The hard part, of course, is that, you know, that anger, like, I don't know if it's like any other emotion in this way, but it's kind of like an addiction. Well, first, like we talked about, 
we tend to be in denial of our anger. <laughs> like, I'm not angry. And we have a right to be angry. Right? We tend to be in denial of our anger. Um, and that's why, you know, part of repentance, you've got to admit, got to admit there's a problem, right? That's, that's the first step. And so we have to look at it realistically and acknowledge that it's there. But agree that we have to get rid of it. The next thing that I get out of these, uh, these verses is that we really do kind of need to look at it. We need to reflect, right? We need to repent and then reflect on our anger. We need to analyze it a little bit. Why am I getting so angry? Why do I get so angry when somebody cut me off in traffic? Or, no threats for me, um, the guy who, you know, when I'm trying to get someplace, has the nerve to be going the speed limit. Um, <laughs> and I can't get around him. <laughs> what? Why? You know, like, mm, I, need, I need to be somewhere. Well, what's really going on there? I mean, to be honest, what's really going on there is that I don't like to be late. I don't want people to think I'm the kind of person that is always late. So I didn't give my I didn't give myself enough time and I'm gonna take it out on that driver in front of me because I'm afraid of how other people are gonna see me. Hmm. See how that pride, you know, maybe fear kind of plays in to that. Um, so but we need to look at that. Why am I really getting angry? Um, uh, psychologists, you know, counselors say that anger is what's called a secondary emotion. And what that means is that it's never really the root emotion. There's something else going on first. There's usually a fear or a pride issue. Something else is going on. And as St. Augustine would say, is that we our anger has gotten misaligned. That we have put our own, ourselves at the top of our list. We have made the, in my example of getting cut off in traffic, the what other people think of me has become an item. That what about the parent who gets really angry at their child for doing something dumb in front of other people. Any parents ever do that with their kids? No, just me? Um, <laughs> what's going on there? Well, not for you all, but for me, I didn't want those people to think I was a bad parent. Right? So I got angry at my kid and took it out on my kid because of my pride issue. I want people to think less of me. And so I took it out on my kid. Mugen talks, there's lots and lots of examples we could use, but you guys, you get the point that what's happening is that we have, we place our, we've created an idol in our life. That, and that's the thing. I mean, if you can analyze it, what am I really getting angry about? That's your idol. Because we 
deep down inside know if I lose that, if something happens to that, it'll crush me. And I will fight to the death to make sure I don't lose it. And whoever gets in the way need to do is we need to recognize that our loves have gotten misaligned, that our anger has become misaligned. We've become angry at things that are really all about us. You see, if we got more angry about human trafficking than we did about getting stopped in traffic, you see how our focus is all about us? Because, yeah, doesn't affect, I mean, I would venture to guess that most of us in this room are, have not been personally affected by human trafficking. Maybe there is someone, I don't know, and that's even the thought of that's horrible. But, but if we realigned our love, right, realigned God as our top love and, and recognize those idols that we in our lives and say that, you know, if, if I lose that, then I lose everything. I lose who I am. And we realign that. Then our anger starts aligning properly. And Paul actually helps us with that in these passages as well. Because um, he reminds us Verse 30 says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There's a lot we could talk about that, just that one sentence, but um, what, at least one of the things that Paul is doing there, doing there is he is reminding us of who we are. He is reminding us that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and we have the power to overcome anger and all idols. That we were sealed, I mean, for being redeemed, for the day of redemption, right? For And remember that we've been redeemed. What's redeemed mean? Remember redeeming uh, uh, S&H green stamps? You know, you turn something in and you get something even better for it, right? You, redeem, you turn it in and you get a new thing. Get something that, you know, like a gift, right? When you those old SNH green stamps, boy, am I dating myself? Um, you know, uh, maybe oh, we we redeem bottles. Do we redeem bottles now? You know, in California, do they redeem you know bottles and cans and stuff? Okay, maybe I should use that example. Be a little more in the 21st century or something. I don't know. Um, but Paul is reminding us of who we are, that we do have the power to overcome our anger. And it reminds me of a great, uh, really neat quote that I heard from my wife, one of my wife's favorites, uh, Lisa Kirkhurst. And she said, because, I mean, how, how many of you are sitting here, you know, think, wow, I have, I've given a lot of anger in the past, and what am I going to do about that? And how do I, you know, and I make it through. And what Lisa Kirkhurst said is, don't let the anger of your past define you. Let it refine you. Right? Don't let 
any of the sins of your past, I would say, you know, don't let your anger define you. Let it refine you. Right? And it refines us through the working of the Holy Spirit. It's God refines us through the working of the Holy Spirit in us. But not only that, Paul reminds us that reminds us to remember, encourages us to remember not only who we are, but whose we are, and to remember what Jesus did for us. Right? That Jesus, as it says in, the, in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And he, what Paul is reminding us, or encouraging us to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. What did he do for us on the cross? Several things. But what did he do for us in relation to this? He took all of God's anger. That's the point I think for all of us, that we all of that anger. And not just that. He didn't only take all of God's anger, all of God's wrath that should have been poured out on us, and he freely took it on himself. But he also took all of our anger against God. But of course we don't sitting there thinking we weren't angry with God or that we're not angry with God. The very first opportunity we had, we killed him. As soon as he became human, <laughs> we killed him. Not to mention, you know, as it talks in Scripture about the crucifixion, about, you know, the angry mob screaming, crucify him. I mean, so Jesus not only took God's anger that we deserve, but he took all of our anger against God and against him that he didn't deserve. And what did he do with it? He absorbed it. He freely took it. And spoke probably the most loving words God took all the anger, the Father's anger that we deserve, our anger, absorbed it, and did not attack the, the source of the anger, the person who were, who were spewing their anger upon him, but he attacked. problem that was going on and washed our sin away, you know, gave us in, by believing in him that our sins would be washed away. He attacked the sin and not the sinner. And it's hard to realize that. 
and we start to really own that, doesn't that start to realign our anger a little bit? I mean, that's that's what Paul is saying here. Look at what Jesus did. Look at first. Look at who you are. Look at whose you are. Look at what Jesus did for you. In your place, he took it all. Dealt with the anger in proper alignment and attacked the sin and sustains the sinner. Now, I, I don't know about y'all, I've heard many, you know, uh, good Christians, you know, say, well, you know, hate the sin and love the sinner. And yes, I mean, yes. Do we? Do we? I mean, how do we distinguish between those? Are we really pouring out our wrath on just the sin? Are we saying to our children when our kid does something really dumb, you know, or maybe, you know, if he steals a candy bar from the store or something like that, and do we attack the child or do we say, son, daughter, that sin of stealing can have no place in your life because it will ruin you. I am with you. We are going to work on that so that that, that is, has no place in your life. And you need to learn the consequences. You know, I mean, there's loving correction. but do, Or do you just jump on them? Well, because it makes you feel like, or, you know, your kid doing that made you feel like a bad parent. we get things realigned only by seeing what Jesus did for us. I don't know. Um, so one more video, okay? Um, you guys have that queued up? Um, because this just want to take a couple minutes and show you this video and then we'll wrap up.
My question is, I mean, this is just a kind of a cute video that, you know, we can clap to and, you know, what we're talking about, just, oh, you know, be really nice. That would be really nice if we could do that, but we know we can't and we'll just move on. You know, that was not the feeling of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And as we kind of began with some quotes from him, I want to end with a quote from Dr. King. Another way that you love your enemy is this. When the opportunity presents itself for you to defend your enemy, that is the time in, what, in which you must not do it. There will come a time in many instances when the person who hates you most, the person who has misused you most, the person who has gossiped about you most, the person who has spread false rumors about you most, there will come a time when you will have an opportunity to defeat that person. It might be in terms of a rec recommendation for a job. It might be in terms of helping that person to make some move in life. That's, when the, that's the time when you must not do it. That is the meaning of love. In the final analysis, love is not this sen sentimental something that we talk about. It's not merely an emotional something. Love is creative, understanding goodwill for all men. It is the refusal to defeat any individual. When you rise to the level of love, of its great beauty and power, you seek only to defeat evil systems. Individuals who happen to get caught up in the system, you love, but you seek to defeat the system. You have so much work to do on us in this in this area. We're so thankful that you do not give up, that you are relentless in your love for us, that you are relentless in how you are growing us and working on us. Lord, we know that even in this area, you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we, uh, we repent. We, are, we ask for your forgiveness for the times when our tongue defeated our brain. Lord, when we've hurt others with our, with our words, with our tongue, Lord, help us to realign our love, Lord, that you be our first love again. Help us.
just to see that the true source of all love and, and righteous anger comes from you. Chris is going to come up and give you an opportunity to spread the love. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. I don't know about you, but when when he speaks, I kind of, as he's speaking, I kind of start to feel like I'm the only one in the room. And it's a counseling session with he and I. Yeah, I don't know if you feel that. I just feel like there's no one else in here but me, and he's talking to me. Man, um, let me just say something. We're going to take a missions offering, and, um, you know, I don't, you know, we're, we leave too fast sometimes. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And what I mean by that is that some things, you know, you, you know, you want to get, you know, happen quickly and get on and other things you need to just sit and stew and and I would just say that you know we have a prayer team that's going to come up here after we take our offering and they um, will pray for you but uh, uh, don't be in a hurry to leave today don't don't be so rushed to get out the door that you miss something that God wants to continue to do through the word that he spoke today you know it's like oh yeah I get out of here gotta go here got you know what time out just relax and maybe spend some time in quiet meditation maybe spend some time in prayer with someone in our prayer team but i just want to you know don't don't let the word of god do its work uh you can listen to this again online by tuesday or so we have it on uh, uh, livinggrace.net uh lawrence if you want to make some extra cds i have a feeling that's going to be necessary but uh, you can listen to it again and kind of re let, let God speak. You know, couples, you might need to come up and, and have some time of prayer with one someone in our prayer team. But don't, don't be in such a hurry. You know, some things are microwave, some things are slow cook. Let that word slow cook in your heart. Please, please do that work. Okay, and so um, <clears throat> if our uh, ushers would come forward, we want to, we want to give for our missions offering. And um, um, I understand that uh, uh, Forever Love organizations, uh, CC in China, is, has got some needs, and that's, that's, how, that's how missions work goes. There are times you have needs, and there are times you have real dramatic needs. And she has a real dramatic need right now. You know that the money, all the money you give goes to support missionaries that are in China, Joshua and Stacy Statham up in Colorado Springs, reaching the world with the gospel, and and also we give support to uh, a, a ministry in Turkey that is reaching out to the refugee population. Okay, so that's where that goes. And so let me pray, and um, go ahead and pass it back. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just um, we thank you for our, the opportunity that we have to give to you, Lord, that you would take these finances would multiply them and that they would go out to the ends of the world and Lord you would splash back a blessing on the giver because your word says that you will do that and so we thank you in advance for what you're going to do 
as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So two other things. Um, in the back, uh, Cece has some of her bags that she makes through with maps of China and things like that.